Attention listeners, ahead are spoilers. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Movie Trap. My name is Russell Carlson, and with me as always is Chris Boroff. So the house is a girl. <laughs> and also with me is Zach Powers. How do you do, fellow teens? <laughs> um, uh, welcome to the movie trap. You actually are in the middle of our spooky theme in the middle of Halloween. Um, so this is what we are doing now. It's our kind of offshoot traditional annual thing, our our Halloween battle, as we like to call it. And where how it was worked out previously on the movie trap was that we, rather than have one of us choose it, we would roll a dice. And that would be the theme we'd go on, and then I would have to pick it. And so that's why we are ending up with today with 2006 Monster House. Because the theme is movies that fall in or around the day Halloween. There was some debate on whether or not it could be a horror movie. Zach and I have ruled that if you could find a movie that doesn't make it Halloween, that still it still counts if it is on Halloween. It doesn't have to be a horror movie. Um, so it's, it's, I kind of, uh, you know, it's kind of like, the difference. you know, there's this debate around Christmas movies every year. It's like sort of diehard rules or, uh, you know, um, there's a bunch of these, uh, movies that have like a scene or two on Christmas that people are like, that's a Christmas movie for me. Hey man, right. there's Christmas iconography. You're entitled to it's say a it's Christmas. a Christmas movie. That's right. And if there's Halloween so- iconography, we're going to let you say it's allowed on the theme. That's it's a right. Halloween movie. That's right. Okay. So that's what we are in. So basically the same rules as usual apply. Each of us gets 10 points for voting. And then each of us picks a movie based off this theme plus some bonus points we get along the way. The one thing that is different though is rather than the winner of the vote choosing the next theme, they get a bonus movie, which we will inflict on their fellow co-hosts after we are done with the Halloween theme. Uh, so that brings us to uh, today. Uh, since everybody's at 10 points, this is the first movie of the theme. Welcome, uh, ghosts and goblins, and welcome to the to the fun. Uh, and I have chosen Monster House, 2006 in Monster House, because it does take place on Halloween. And I had never really seen it before, so I thought, why the hell not? Um, and then I, I, I didn't even know that uh, uh, Borf's former co-worker uh, had written the story my, my and, screenwriting, and screenplay. <laughs> former boss, yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah, Dan um, Harmon I'm trying to, and I'm trying to give you a promotion. Yeah, I was trying to give you a promotion. Um, so I thought it would be fun to, to dust out of like more of like a kid's movie. Uh, and what the hell, it's got Steve Buscemi in it, why not? Um, so here we are uh, with Monster House, Zach Powers, why don't you walk us through the Monster House? Monster House is a 2006 computer animated uh, sort of children's horror film, I guess you might describe it as. Um, uh, comedy slash horror. Uh, it's directed by Gil Keenan and as mentioned, written by Dan Harmon, Rob Schraub, and Pamela Petler. Um, the story, uh, it stars, I should say, uh, uh, my, uh, Mitchell Musso, Sam Lerner, Spencer Locke, and Steve Buscemi, and then uh, among some other famous names uh, like Maggie Gyllenhaal and Kevin James and people, Fred Willard, people like that. Yep. Uh, 
So the story takes place in Wisconsin in 1983 on All Hallows Eve. Uh, a 12-year-old named DJ Walters uh, is left alone for the weekend. His parents are going out of town for the convention, and he has been spying recently on a nearby house, uh, which has uh, always been a source of local legend. Any toy that goes near the house is immediately confiscated and the owner of the house uh, a man named never never cracker uh anytime like a toy comes by is immediately on the alert and yells at the children to stay away from his house and the toy is generally confiscated um and uh the mystery uh deepens as dj invites his friend chowder uh over Say it right. Chowda over to his house. Um, and their basketball ends up over on the lawn. And uh, they attempt to retrieve it. But as Nebuchadnezzar comes out to try and stop them, he seemingly dies of a heart attack uh, while trying to force them away from his home. Um, the Later that night, they start getting calls from the house uh, with no one on the other end. Meanwhile, uh, they have a babysitter uh, uh, played by Maggie Gyllenhaal, who uh, is very irresponsible and invites her boyfriend Bones over to the house. Um, and uh, he had his kite stolen as a child by the house, by, by Nebuchadnezzar. Um, and uh, after a fight, uh, uh, she her boyfriend bones is sent out of the house and sees his kite across the street in the haunted house and is lured over there and is seemingly eaten by the house itself. Uh, the carpet extends and grabs him. And there's hints of this earlier in the movie as well. Um, uh, so the next morning, uh, the, there is a young girl in their house that uh, Chowda, and I guess uh, also DJ have a crush on named Jenny, uh, who is coming by door to door selling Halloween candy for her. I think her Girl Scout troop, I want to say. It's like her prep school. It's like a prep school fundraiser. Yeah. Which right, a lot right, of right. Assuming right. they pay a lot in tuition, they still have to go around and beg for money. Um, she makes the error of trying to sell to the, the house in question and is attacked and saved. But... The police are called after the incident and do not believe that the house is um, a monster house. Um, they enlist the advice of a, uh, a fellow named Skull, who is um, the compadre of Bones in their band, uh, uh, who tells them that the house is a monster that is like sort of merged with a human skull and can only be destroyed by destroying its heart. And they conclude that as Nebercracker died, his spirit infused with the house and uh, must have become the monster itself. Uh, so they decide to pack a dummy full of cold medicine. I don't know how they bought that much cold medicine. That's a terrorist uh, <laughs> alert. Um, yeah, there are definitely some meth children like yeah, going no on kidding. in this. Yeah. Um, so they're going to trick the house into eating all the cold medicine so they can go in and extinguish its heart slash furnish furnace. Um, uh, but 
the two cops uh, intervene and they are unable to uh, sedate the house. Um, but uh, the police vehicle and everyone else is grabbed by the house uh, after they are arrested and uh, everyone is stuck inside the police missing and the three kids uh, exploring. Uh, they head down to the basement. Uh, they find the skeleton of Nevercracker's wife, uh, Constance the Giant Giantess, a former uh, sideshow performer who was uh, sort of, you know, a, a larger than average woman who, you know, was mocked at a sideshow. Um, and they are vomited outside the house after they grab its uvula. And it turns out Nebercracker never died at all. He survived. Uh, he returns home. And he tells them that the house is possessed not by him, but by his former wife, uh, a woman he met at a freak show and fell in love with, but who was always uh, sort of mentally unstable. Uh, they built the house together, but she was... Uh, because of her history of being at the sideshow, uncomfortable with people coming to her house and mocking her and, you know. She, she had post-traumatic stress disorder. That's basically what it was. Basically. She had had a rough life and being in a house with kids coming by for Halloween, pulling tricks rather than treats was a whole problem for her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One uh, Halloween night, she uh, tried to chase down two kids who were tormenting her and fell into the unfinished basement and died. Um, uh, inadvertently falling into a cement mixer and being buried inside the house. Uh, Nebercracker decided to finish the house because he didn't know what else to do with his life. The love of his life was gone, but Constance uh, possessed it. And uh, he has ever since scared away kids for their safety. Um, they convinced Nevercracker that this is unsustainable in the wrong long run. One day he will die and people will get hurt. And uh, Constance is enraged by the idea of the one person who loves her, like leaving for good um, and breaks free from the foundation um, and chases them down to a construction site. Uh, uh, Nevercracker tries to comfort her um, and uh, attempts at the same time to destroy the house uh, with dynamite from the uh, construction site. Um, but uh, fails, though Chowder intervenes with an excavator and uh, everybody falls into the, you know, I'm, I watched this a couple weeks ago. This is a problem whenever we do this podcast <laughs> on the long term, I like start to forget details. Um, <laughs> Uh, but it, we'll be getting into this in a second. But yeah, it also could be potentially a plotting issue that it is hard to remember details when so many random events keep occurring in the film. Yeah. But keep keep going. I, you've almost got it. You're yeah, almost yeah, there. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, so the, they the have a the exciting action. Yeah, they have a, an exciting adventure on the uh, construction site with uh, a bunch of shit happening. Um, Tractor. Yeah, there's tractors and blah, 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 blah. But eventually they manage to get the dynamite into the house's chimney. 
destroying it and releasing Constance's ghost. Uh, and they see them see the ghost dancing with Nevercracker before fading away. Uh, Nevercracker uh, apologizes uh, to everybody um, for you know the years of turmoil and all of those things. Um, and that night, uh, Nevercracker is giving away uh, candy to children at his empty hole that used to be a house. Kind of like their former uh, uh, their former toys. It's kind of a weird mix of like Halloween and Christmas. He's like Santa Claus kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's like, right. He's giving back all the back toys to they used to have. Some of the kids that uh, fell into the house years ago, like the fella from earlier in the movie Skull or Bones, whichever one it was, is Bones, able to stumble out. Cops, the dog. Um, yeah. and, and anybody we saw injured, yeah, comes back to life. Uh, apparently, ignoring anyone who died before the movie started. Which could have been thousands of children. Could have been we a good, know. yeah, and it could have been a good, good time for a joke, you know. Yeah. Regardless, not, not, not that yeah. I'm like Jimmy know. Hoffa crawling out. That would have been funny. That, that, look at that. That would be great, dude. That would be funny. That's mm -hmm. hilarious. Mm -hmm. Take note, Hollywood. The two main characters, DJ and Crowder, go trick or treating uh, one last time, despite worrying they were too old because they had a big adventure. Um, and yeah, and that's pretty and, much it. And scene. Um, yeah, yeah, it's fine. You know, whatever. It's it's because it's like 2006 computer animated, right? So like, and, and this one, as I understand, was still like motion capture. So like, there was a lot of like kind of rotoscoping, I guess, going on. And and I know Zemeckis was huge on this technology early, and he's an executive producer of this as well. And he kind of still uh, is, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah it yeah. felt like it had a weird frame rate when i watched it like i know it was 24 frames a second but it seemed like it was doing slightly less like they were doing it on the, the uh the 14s or the 15s where they were doubling up some of the frames it felt it felt like they were trying to do like a claymation look with certain scenes but then other things would be very smooth it was very strange i was thinking about that that maybe if ardman had done this instead of zemeckis um if it, you know, like I, I, I think the it, it the technology is obviously vastly improved from where it was, you know, almost twenty years ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, in a way, I sort of ignored this movie when it came out just because I was sort of tired of like Polar Express and you know, yeah, Beowulf and whatnot from Zemeckis. Yeah. Um, I think this is better than that. But no, yeah. for sure, for yeah. sure. But it's, um, like, sandwiched right in the middle of all that, you know? So I sort of just, like, kind of ignored it as, like, shrapnel to avoid. Um, yeah, I think this one, um, if I remember correctly, I've asked... Uh, I, at one point in time, had a chance to ask Rob and Dan... Excuse me. Uh, well, individually, I asked Rob about this. And he explained that, I guess, what had occurred is they came out here to do uh, stuff for Scud, the movie Scud, when it was coming out. Um... It, that one never actually got produced. They were just they flew out here thinking that uh, based off solely getting a uh, an option on the comic book that that would be them like then hired to write it. But when they got out here, they found out that no, they don't need to hire you to write it. They've got writers out here who are going to do that. Um, so they you then hear started, it a thousand times. Yeah, yeah. So long story short. What ended up happening is they got him a lot of notices. Or uh, Oliver Stone got interested back when he was a big name. Um, and then that got them pulled over talking to Zemeckis and they had a couple scripts that they were, uh, pitching around town. This was Dan and, um, Rob. One of them was big ant movie, 
which was literally a movie about giant ants, uh, just like the movie Them, I guess. But uh, for some Sweet. reason, Zemeckis loved that concept, went wild for it, had him in for a meeting, passed on that concept in the meeting. But then uh, I think Schraub in the parking lot, or it could have been Dan or one of them, Schraub has this tendency to come up with weird ideas, like um, uh, a shark hotel, for example. A hotel that's haunted by a ghost shark. Things like that. And he'll say these things that are these broad, silly concepts. But he was pitching the idea of a scary house that was a monster house that would eat people. And I think he was fucking with Dan. And then they wound up doing that pitch for real. And then it got a green light and they had to write it. So then they started writing Monster House the movie. However, they never finished it. it they got most of the way through it and then it got handed off to somebody else. Uh, which would be why uh, there's the somewhat famous like Dan Harmon letter to a seven-year-old that like the seven-year-old didn't like the movie or it was specifically the kid's mom was writing yeah. Dan Harmon about it because it was scary. And Dan Harmon is just went down the rabbit hole of explaining like the problems with malfeasance of producers and all the stuff that a child would never understand or care about. Um but he was basically saying that, like, the story he wanted to deliver was one where the uh, they would have uh, understood the house and come to a more peaceful resolution as opposed to let's blow the sucker up. Um, and some other things, like the fact that the house... Smile, you hurt. son of a... <laughs> yeah, it's like the house kept wanting to hurt, like, uh, people after they didn't want to hurt it anymore. So there are all these things where Dan uh, sort of went into it about um, how smart people can recognize fear, but that's also the thing that allows you to overcome it because you're smart enough to do that. He says that to this child, but he also says that uh, Gil Keenan's a hack and that Steven Spielberg's a moron uh, at the tail end. Uh, and he also mm -hmm. throws a heck of a lot of shade on this portion of the movie where they go into the house. Because the thing is, is that they find out that the house is the wife's spirit, like it's haunted by that. But they don't get a magic key. There's nothing to like unlock there. They just suddenly come out and then there's the old man. And he's like, oh yeah, uh, my wife's in the house. Hey, I'll help you guys blow up my wife house. Or my housewife. Which he uh, comes to pretty quick. It seems odd. Mm -hmm. like, he was like waiting around on it that long. And he had all the, music the munitions that long. And it was just until these children showed up. And he got like, you know injured and had to leave that he's so like well maybe maybe we'll blow it up seems weird maybe there was an off-screen moment of him in the hospital after facing you know getting ready to face his own mortality that realized that maybe i've got to you know rip right the wrongs of my ghost house wife or whatever i'm 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 grasping a straw yeah. here because it's not in the movie um, yeah but i also do, do you wonder how much of the movie once they got the pitch Amblin, you know, Zemeckis and Spielberg, that they already just kind of started going to work on it, you know, and like doing what they were going to do anyway, regardless of what the script came out with. Because, like, oh, it's, yeah. a, it's a computer animated movie, so this shit's done months and months and months and months. So, I mean, like, I, I wonder how much of that in their own mind, Spielberg and Zemeckis, they wanted to do. Um, I mean, like, the, yeah. the concept itself is ridiculous, but, um, if done right, and, and I, I, you know, I'm glad they did make it animated. I think if you tried to do this as a real thing, it would just be like a Roger Corman movie. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and, and that's what 
they're more or less trying to do, but they they do Zemeckis and Spielberg it up for two reasons. One, the leaf falling, right? Right from the beginning, you catch the mm-hmm. Forrest Gump reference. Um, and then, you know, again, the blowing up of the house is very much like John. You know, that's, that's how you yeah. get rid of the bad guy. You eliminate the bad guy. Blow it up. Um, which is also kind of a throwback to Stephen King, too. I mean, it's not like Stephen King wants to be friends with it at the end of it. You know, like you're not saying, we need to understand him where it comes from. The explanation for these things are are different. Like ultimately think about tremors or jaws. Is there an animal, like they're a creature that is mindless and kills. And the thing about it is it's like just an evil entity. Like, it's not like it has positive traits or it's not like it is eating children because it has trauma from being a sideshow freak. It is eating children because it thinks they're delicious and it believes itself above humanity and that human life and death is inconsequential and it represents racism and sexism and trauma. Like it is all the things that happened to you as a child and last into your adulthood. Like that's what it fundamentally is. It's not a person who had a shitty life a shitty sad life i mean yeah what but it's one of those things like with this movie it sets you up with the the problem i have with how monster house is put together is that they do humanize the wife Mm -hmm. um and even the husband and it seems like there's a way more interesting movie and i've seen this done before and it's been more interesting uh, like little shop of horrors the, the thing i noticed the musical yeah like the main character sort of um starts taking care of the plant and he starts starts projecting onto the plant and then the plant starts eating people it's uh greedy guts is another example uh that's a, an old like fable about a family that takes home a, a little log and then the log um gets nursed and turns into like a man-eating monster um but it's basically this thing that would have been more interesting if the husband had been sort of aware his wife house needed to eat and was trying to feed the house. Then that would have set up a clear like villain. Um, in this, it's just like the house is just sort of angry all the time. But also, and they don't actually take care of the house. They just kill the house, which is sort of like don't... saying you can't work anyone through their trauma. Those I don't even know if those metaphors work because even in Little Shop, the uh, thing is... Seymour uh, does take care of Audrey 2, which is the name of the plant. Um, but Audrey 2 is not like a morose soul with a history of tragedy. Audrey 2 is a monster. Audrey 2 wants to eat everybody on the fucking planet Earth and was born three days ago. Like, Audrey yeah. 2 is back to front a genocidal villain. And this character is indeed somebody who has like this very sad, horrible backstory. And like, it's okay. Like this is not Audrey too. This is Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster specifically. Like Frankenstein's monster in the book and in the movie often in the best versions is a tragic character who doesn't like can't control like doesn't have quite control of itself it doesn't understand the situations that that it's in it didn't ask for it and 
like once certain things once connections from certain mm -hmm. people and support audrey too is manipulating seymour from from the get-go like audrey too doesn't give a fuck yeah. about seymour in the original version of the ending of that movie she kills him with she eats him and the entire yeah, world yeah. yeah other than the fact that the house is bad the guy specifically the husband's motivations appeared to not really be there it they'd seem to mostly service when a plot point had to happen so he'd like come to terms with the fact that oh we need to kill the house now uh, i'm just saying it would have been more interesting to have more of like a like a toxic relationship type thing where he's feeding the house or something like that to at least give it a little more teeth but that wouldn't be good for a children's yeah. show um and you'd have to make the house constants you have to make constants more villainous or or like you know if you could disneyfy it if you want and have like some evil witch curse constants or whatever like some gypsy like you know palm reader at the circus that she was at or whatever if you wanted to disneyfy it which you know spielberg was in no mood to do at the time and probably selling today um, but I'm gonna give you both points actually, because I think you both bring up something very interesting. I think Zach, you're gonna give a point for the Frankenstein reference, because I think that's pretty accurate. Because it's almost like, it's almost like never cut, uh, ne never cut. I don't can't remember. Never Sydney cracker. Character. Never His last cracker. name is Cracker because he's a cracker. Right. Got it. <laughs> sure. And he's <laughs> never, never there. Um, I th I think that uh, if you look at Never Cracker as like Doctor Frankenstein and the house as Frankenstein's monster, there's a kind of interesting kind of connection there. Um, that I I kind of think that you get so where there is some level of sympathy for the beast that's trying to kill you. I think that I'm also gonna give Boris a point because I think had they had some sort of plot device or some mechanism for the reason why this house has to devour children and devour things all the time rather than just a convenient way to either do two things one convince whoever's talking to dj that the house is eating people or get the people who are trying to stop the house out of their way for the house to eat them which is pretty much what happens um there's yeah. no real motivation other than just it doesn't like children um and i think that's it, it, a pretty it, big it also just dawned on me that it is pretty troubling that they show that the house was originally a larger lady yeah, and that yeah. it's now driven to eat constantly. Um, a little, oh, you know, that's probably a note. They did that intentionally, but that's a little weird. Um, I, uh, yeah. it, everything that happened inside the house was very strange to me. Like, it was kind of fun. The 3D um, visuals were exciting, I guess, because it was interesting to see how they did it. And some of the stuff was fun. Um, I would have but, dated this later than 2006, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, if I, it was, yeah. yeah, I think um, some of just, like, understanding, like, what the function of the house was was a little strange. Uh, like the geography of things like they were explaining like this is going to be you know the head of the house the uvula the intestines all that stuff but then like i don't get what the um the woman in cement was doing in the basement i didn't well that's like, the wife fell into the constant. cement yeah yeah, mm. yeah. when she died she fell house, into yeah. the the I not dry it. cement yeah. and i don't understand what you're and, and apparently just got left in the house for the whole time they did like, just you, leave you her in there you yeah. wouldn't call the cops yeah. you wouldn't potentially go bury your wife properly you just keep building a house i, I think like never cracker is uh norman bates you see that's the that uh. just keeps it there and builds the shrine you know it's that kind of thing <sighs> uh, never cracker is the bad guy here is what i'm saying 
Um, because, you know, or even show that, that, like, he did some sort of, like, summoning ritual to try to bring her back to life, and it went horribly awry. It would be interesting, the house yeah. insane. Um, that's what, so, just having the house just be a monstrous house. And uh, uh, what I was appreciative of the movie and jump with the design and stuff was when the monster actually becomes unmoored from the, uh, from ground or whatever sorts. I thought that was a fun visual because it actually looked like a monster house. Um, and when the monster, you know, I, I thought the when the, the legs pop on and it starts house. running around yeah, like Baba Yaga, it's cool. That's cool. Yeah, that, yeah. that I love it. Um, that that's awesome. Um, so yeah, just a little bit more plotting. And I guess you're right. I guess they just figured, ah, kids are stupid. They'll be fine. They'll just you know they'll yeah. just swallow whatever. They don't care. I mean, it almost um, feels to be like they shouldn't true. have had anyone get eaten by the house. Like, it seems like, for things like this, that tone of, but like, then... what is too scary for children and what's fun for children, um, like, an example of what's fun would be, a, like, Monster Squad, where mm. there's occasionally people getting killed, but it's usually not the kids themselves. Yeah, I, I actually, I don't know if I agree. I, I, yeah, I, I, I think sure. that, one, Monster Squad is, there's some pretty the violence in that is occasionally quite, uh, you know, they blow that fucking werewolf apart. People do get murdered. No one in this movie dies. No one, like, no character mm. dies. Everybody crawls out at the end. Or we were talking previously before the show about the original Hocus Pocus. One interesting thing about that that is not repeated in the sequel is a literal girl is killed in the opening. Like, they fully murder a young child in that movie. And mm -hmm. kids' movies, I don't think, do that anymore, ever, really. Like, mm -hmm. uh, no, I guess I, it's a sad I, thing, like a like a bridge to Terabithia. They're not going to. I mean, like, it was, be, it's sad in that know, movie, but it's girl. also like an instigating yeah, thing. Yeah. But I, I, I just think that, like, I don't know. Like, there's this. Some on Twitter, there's been this like puritanical thing about like, uh, would do we really need sex scenes in movies? Like, you see this coming up from like a, a weird number of people being like, and I think it's because like Marvel movies are so sterile, but um, in terms of sex and sexual chemistry, but uh, and that's like all half of the population watches, um, but like, I don't know, it, I kids are able to experience like things like that like i think that there's too much like oh caution think of the children around this kind of shit when like some of mm -hmm. my favorite shit when i was a kid was like stuff that was not afraid to get a little darker on some things and i feel like that option is eternally cut back and back and back these days and I feel like I this feel like movie it should would... have just gone more to one way or the other. Thank you. That was kind I of the thing. Yeah. Like it didn't. Yep. Right. Yep. Yeah. It, it tried didn't to feel like mm -hmm. it felt like it was halfway in the middle. Like I, um, yep. I, I like I dislike fake outs like that where you're like, okay, mm -hmm. you guys are gonna be telling me a scary movie where people are being killed, but then it's like, oh, but everyone's fine at the end. Because yeah, right. it's sort everyone of like uh, Merry Christmas. Yeah. yeah, it's like everyone gets what they want, and it's like, well, then there are no stakes if it's everyone just, gets what they want. What is what what is with me? This is the second movie in a fucking row where I fucking did that to us. I mean, like where everything just works out and everything's fine. You know, everybody's happy. Happy Halloween. I mean, the house is dead. The house is dead. At the yeah, end. but that that's was like they, they made no effort to make that. Well, and that's that they lean into the house being sympathetic. There's that moment where Nevercracker is talking to the house, and there's this very 
good moment that kids' movies are great at where it's, like, sweet and menacing at the same time. And then it's just like, all right, we'll just go blow this fucker up, you know. I mean, when when if yeah. it was like, you know, like Monsters Inc. or whatever, I felt like did a better job of like trying to tie that circle. And, and by the way, like this is still right at the time when Pixar is on the rise. Like Pixar's sure. about to really take over, and and probably is even at this point. I mean, Monsters Inc. might have came out the same year, for all I know. Yeah. Well, no, I think The Incredibles came out a little bit before this, and I think Monsters, Inc. was before The Incredibles. Um, oh, Monsters, I, Inc. was five years before this. Also right, a Steve yeah, Buscemi wow. project. Yeah, I'll be damned. Right. Uh, <laughs> hey, Incredibles had Jason Lee, who played uh, Bones. Um, what did you guys think of the character design in general? Like, I, I know that it was, like, motion-captured, and it was, like, rotoscoping, but it's not like the, they're still meant to look like cartoons right like they're still like not human like it was pretty disarming to see to hear Catherine O'Hara's voice and kind of see her sort of mannerisms or whatever but it's in this kind of weird almost like 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 you said almost claymation sort of aesthetic um, or Fred Willard R.I.P. yeah rest in peace mm. power man I actually didn't know that uh this was mocap like that I assumed that everything was just hand animated but um I no, guess Zemeckis it didn't really... was big at that at this point. I mean, he didn't I remember that. Out. I just, for some reason, I thought because the bodies and the structures were smaller they were, than uh, that like... they wouldn't have done that. But and it's not like uh, the Polar Express where he's trying to make them like human. Like these characters look like they're exaggerated. Yeah, they don't look like normal, real people. They have like longer heads, or you know. Nebercracker looks like a caricature of an old man. Like it's not like they're trying to do a one-to-one -one of real life with 2006 no, uh, CGI technology. Right? Yeah. Right. It, it's just maybe it's just the maybe they are handcuffed with the technology at the time because I think there is a weird disproportion between the head and the body. Um, you know, where the the heads are slightly larger and fill up a lot more space, so it's a little bit weird to see such more or less anatomically correct torsos and legs and arms and extremities yeah. and stuff yeah. and we know they're anatomically like, correct yeah. because of that shower scene <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm assuming i'm assuming that the heads might have been bigger so that they could telegraph the emotions easier um because Fair enough. That's at what the I, time I'm they probably that. were pretty limited on how close they could get with actually getting subtlety in the faces so just making sure it would play to the back probably helped them out for the most part um mm. Uh, uh, to be honest, most of the character designs were pretty bland. Um, the house was an interesting design. Nebercracker yeah. was, I guess, an okay design. He just sort of looked like a, an old man. Uh, Chowder, I think. Chowder. Uh, him, Chowder, <laughs> like his little, like, uh, well, his cape was probably yeah, know, the right? most yeah. interesting yeah. choice about him. So I don't really know if I remember anything about the other characters other than one was a girl, one was a boy. And I think one of the boy had brown hair. I think the DJ yeah. is basically supposed to be Will Wheaton from Stand By Me. Yeah, and he's very smart and logical, Hermione, and yeah. yeah, she's Hermione. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some people I saw, I was reading like review things. People were like, "Oh, they just ripped off the the basic chemistry of like the Harry Potter, Ron, Harry, Hermione trio." That's funny. I guess that makes um, sense. I I was kind of 
uh, blind to some of that stuff when this came out. I was uh, 26 when this came out, so I think I was midway through college at the time. I, I was yep. not going to see animated uh, animated movies. We were so too busy see seeing the, just singing now. Detective, sir. The relationship of prepubescent kids vis-a-vis supernatural what-have-you, this is much more in common with King and Stephen King than anything Harry Potter ever did. Um, Harry Potter... Is much more like whimsical and whatever. This is much more like I don't know, menacing. I guess is the way I would. Probably. Well, it, it 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 is menacing. That's what that's what I, I I get why you're kind of bristling at this film board because like you get the sense that this is menacing and there is gonna be like some, but then like everybody just crawls out of the pit and you know roll credits. Happy Halloween. I, I mean, it's you, very. You sick. feel kind of cheated. It's very sick. Yeah. I mean, we're watching it as like uh, dudes. Um... I'm assuming if we all had kids and we were trying to check a box and we were trying to make sure they wouldn't watch something too scary that makes them stay up at night, we might pick this one. But I mean, what what do you think the goal of this movie was? Was it to like scare children or was it to just send them more like on a like more like Hocus Pocus where it's more or less like a more like a magical fantasy sort of thing? Um, you know, like, cause I got the sense that it was trying to scare you a little bit. Well, um, yeah, I think that this is the dichotomy, maybe that letter that Dan Harmon sent and them writing that letter is that like, uh, I don't know. I don't think the focus was unified in this movie necessarily. Um, ultimately this is the movie of maybe the producers, uh, more so than any of the yeah. individual creators. Uh, and the producer's yeah. goal is always the same. And that is to make some fucking money. I think that this is a, a mishmash of of goals. I don't think this is a single unified artistic vision of a single person. I looked up Gil Keenan real quick. Um, I looked up Gil Keenan real quick to see what else he'd done. Um, he did City of Ember after this, which was a straight to theaters, like children's um, adventure Straight to film. theaters? Yeah, straight to theaters back when that was a thing. It was um, so bad they didn't even want a home release. <laughs> Don't uh, you dare he, put this in my house. But he also directed the remake of the 2015 Poltergeist. And it looks like Wait, he they was remake one Poltergeist? Of, they did in 2015, and it was bad. And he also uh, co-wrote the Ghostbusters Afterlife movie Same from 2021 man. with Jason Reitman. So I have a feeling this guy probably... Uh, is working very hard to be in the mold of Spielberg or Zemeckis, which is probably aiming at sort of the larger, uh, safer choices, uh, not going to go a lot of edgy stuff. Uh, I'm not going to call him a hack. That was kind of mean of Dan, but yeah. I don't know if this guy has like a deeper story he can tell or if it's basically just sort of broad entertainment. Well, I mean, could you even be a Spielberg or Zemeckis anymore? I mean, is it even, I mean, what's the, Miller and Lord are probably the closest to, I could think of to probably do stuff that's kind of garnered towards a younger audience while still being. I think you, you know, can, but it has to be, you can't expect the same kind of widespread success. Like for instance, uh, I don't know if you saw Nope, but Nope uh, reminded me heavily of like things like Tremors and Jaws uh, when I actually saw it. Uh, it was much more, I felt like, a, that kind of action thing at the end of the day than a lot of what I'd seen before. And Jordan Peele like, has made a name for himself in that regard. But um, ultimately, it is not possible now 
to be Jordan Peele is like the closest thing to it, but like ultimately IPs run the town. Like it's, it's Jordan Peele is making a pretty good run at like trying to make like a director, like a directed by credit mean something. But at the end of the day, the real thing that's going to sell is, is the, is there an IP attached? Yeah. Steven Spielberg. Absolutely. Um, got a big chunk of the boost in his career from the auteur theory and the fact that it got so popularized at that period of time. Um, mostly when they first started arguing the theory, I think it was a legitimate argument about writers or directors, but I think later on it's just been a marketing thing. Um, and there are clear examples of people who are great, who did it well, like Alfred Hitchcock. But um, people are still doing it. I think they're still going to be doing that for a while, but you know Wes Anderson or Tarantino like they they're still making movies you know they're just not you know they're not Spielberg's still fucking making movies you know uh, well I mean I think it's a dissolution of the attention like it used to be if a Spielberg movie came out that was a huge event it was a tentpole movie it would keep that industry and that uh um it would keep that whole production company running um but now like you know these movies come out like once a week um i don't but even that's know not necessarily the... true i think because like you still get movies that are like breaking box office records once or twice a year it's just they're like a spider-man movie like yeah. that's and especially with it's especially i think common with animated movies you know like more times than not if it's animated these days it's from another license and not even just marvel and stuff there's the lego movie you know, spider-man and and you know very rarely nowadays like the the uh millers versus the machines or whatever is the closest which i thought was a very like, good i, uh, I enjoyed excellent it a film. excellent film um, and pixar pixar to its credit still does original stuff um you know but they also are no problem you know hammering out an incredibles five or whatever you know, like they'll to their credit, they'll still do original animated stuff. That's why it was kind of nice. It's kind of, you forget that back in the day in 2006, you could get away with just doing an animated film and make it, you know, financially viable to release in theaters and it not have attached to it some sort of already built-in audience, you know, back then. In, in, in Nowadays, I don't think you could. They would have to go to Netflix, like, you know, Miller's versus the Machines, that kind of thing. Well, I mean, there was such a glut of this stuff for a while. Sure. Like, there was, like, Nomeo and Juliet. Mm. Um, there was, like... Chicken uh, Run. There's a bunch. Guardians of the something. Oh, yeah. That, mm -hmm. you know, it's all these... Guardians like, of Gahul? Zack Snyder's... Zack Snyder's opus, Guardians of Gahul? The Ghouls. Yeah, the... the yeah, yeah, yeah. Though there was also that that one that was Guardians of something else, the one with like the Jack Frost character and like they were all like seasonal yeah. characters. I can't remember what that was Easter called. Bunny. Yeah, it was Guillermo del Toro was somehow involved in that. That was big on Tumblr for shipping the Jack Frost character with Elsa from Frozen. Oh, it was Elsa is Elsa from Frozen like a, a character that existed before Frozen? It's like an old like no I mean, but i don't think ice it, queen yeah you no know, i don't like, know it's it, the ice it's queen telling that story okay. forever yeah that's the yeah yeah okay because um, i didn't know it was the ice queen Disney like i didn't really shit, most of their shit has just been very and tale. also that's, uh the, the elsa thing i'm not very aware of it's like i'm i'm aware that there's a song i'm aware there's so a that 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 <laughs> that guardians of the whatever it is rise and of the frozen guardians? came out the year after rise of the guardians came out in 2012 and frozen came out in 2013 so it's not like they're 
dramatically distanced characters. Gotcha. Um, so it would be an, it would be inappropriate for them to date. They're a year apart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's kind of funny that even back then, like all of these major studios were trying to vie for to dethrone Pixar because Pixar, as far as still even in two thousand way back then, Pixar was still king as far as I can tell. As far as like um, computer animated stuff, but Pixar only got better. You know, like they've only got better in the years went on. Where this is before Wally and up. And I mean, now they're up. relegated to streaming releases too. That's true. You know, so like it's 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 kind of funny that these things were all in contention with each other. And it seems like outside of the Minions movies um, and the odd, like, I don't know, Peanuts movie or... or Mojis movie? Or whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah, or, or Trolls World 2 or whatever. Um, everything is usually associated with something that's previously come out outside of the Mitchells and the Machines. Um, but Pixar, for what it's worth, is still done things that are different and out there and when like the, their movie soul i thought was very very good considering how long this studio has been doing keeping that shtick going uh i thought soul soul surprised me for how how sweet and tender that movie really was um and i think monster house or more recently turning red which i i think i preferred to I soul personally that. i haven't seen that lightyear sucked i didn't care for lightyear that well, i didn't watch that i haven't seen I, that but uh, that was that was just basically star wars it's pretty dumb which, but that's what this was, wasn't it? Monster House is pretty much an action movie, like with the yeah. It's a bit of like just house, a spiel. It's, it's, it is very much like a Spielberg, like uh, yeah, which was we've been circling around a lot uh, with the smile, you son of a bitch, and blah blah blah. But also like the ET element, or like the kids, you know. Uh, oh, it's the girl they have a crush on. There, it's growing up. It takes place in 1983. You know, all that shit. I always kind of felt like Spielberg's movies are trying to be like amusement park rides. Um, there's always ups yeah. and downs and exciting moments that are similar. Um, this one, they go into the house, they're being whipped around. There's all these actions. Especially happening. Schindler's was, List, which was, well, okay. Had a lot of highs. <laughs> a lot of good, good, good point, Zach. Uh, uh, but no, like this one was in 3D. Yeah. Oh, man. This movie's black and white. It's really slow. Um, yeah, no, this one was in 3D, which I know is a big uh, shtick at the time, but it's one of those things where I kind of got a feeling that a lot of the, the what, ripping this around... This came out in 3D? Yeah, yeah. So this is even... But this is before Avatar, though, right? So, like, how... Mm. Yes, I right guess it was. Time? 2006. Yeah. Avatar came out so long ago, I have to think about... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's probably. Yeah, I mean, all the 3Ds were ugly to me, so I don't know. Uh, this this is just another version of it being less than great. I guess the new Avatar movies are also supposed to be in 3D, so have fun with that. Hey, can't we'll wait. see. This is an interesting question. Can James Cameron beat? Like, I guess Avatar is kind of an IP, but also he's competing against the IP box office. Will Avatar two pull it off? I, mean, I don't know. He's got he's got the Disney bank behind him. I think he'll be fine. He. Yep. Every time he comes out with a movie that's this size, people are expecting it to be a bomb. Um, Titanic was the same thing. Like, I remember before Titanic came out, everybody thought it was going to be a bomb. And then it came out, and, you know, all the Celine Dion crap. 
And then Avatar started getting worked on, and everyone was like, oh, this is amazing. He's done years and years of research. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. And then it comes out, and I was kind of like, this is going to probably bomb. And then it did billions of dollars. And it's said, no, it film. was a, a bombing success is what I meant. Yeah. A bombing so, success. So I'm not a good gauge of this guy's success or failure rate at this point. But but I also think that the really the market, the world, the world of cinema has changed so much since Avatar. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that came out before, did that come out before the MCU even started? Maybe one year yes. after Iron Man. I, it was not long. It was not long at all. I think I was in college when Avatar came out. So yeah, yeah. Avatar exists in the in the the ecology of where this movie, Monster House, came out. It's the same sort of financial metric still at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, so it is butts into seats at theaters, and then we'll rake in the 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 DVDs for the for the babysitters and whatnot. Um, so like that that's what's kind of to me interesting about this movie. I mean, like I said, I I I, I sort of think that had this movie made a decision to go one way or another, rather than just trying to play it as safe as possible and just make everything work out and. Because it, there's a lot of there's a lot of meat on the bone. It's a solid concept. I mean, it's goofy as hell, but you can make that menacing and fun. Sure, you can and even do make it fun like for that. kids. I just think that lean in a know, little more one way or the other. Right. Yeah. I just think they 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 tried to have it. It's both ways it's and, it's it's interesting that so much of our conversation on this episode has been dominated not by the movie itself, but by like the landscape of cinema as a business. Yeah, and how this movie reflects maybe a point in time in that a changing point in time or an indecision in the creative yeah. process. And I think in modern times, like this whole movie would be on streaming, and it would either be like more extreme or less extreme, or be funnier, or something else would happen. I think I have a feeling that this would probably like a mid-tier level. Uh, computer generated animated thing only exists in streaming now like i don't think you could put these out in theaters anymore in this context yeah it would have to be a massive massive ip that would like bring people back like it would it would be crazy but even that there's no guarantee i mean like look jeff bezos is spending a billion dollars on that lord of the Rings show for eight episodes um you know, so it's it clearly doesn't matter how much money you pump into it. You know, it just depends on if people show up. But, you know, well, I'll say this, uh, not related to the business side of things. Uh, as usual, um, I think Steve Buscemi uh, did a good job. I think he is hey, a strong yeah, we're, performer. We're four for four on this dude, right? Yeah, this is our fourth movie with with Steve Buscemi, and he knocks it out of the park. Wouldn't you know it? Yeah. Steve Buscemi yeah, doesn't. It, it does seem like it's he's one of the few characters that are awake when the movie's happening. Yeah, <laughs> the rest are children. I mean, you know. Steve Buscemi has to carry like the most emotional weight of the film, and uh, I think he does it uh, with a plum. You know what? He, yep. You know what? The guy knows how to roll up his sleeves and put forth the effort, and he nails it every time. So, good man on Steve Buscemi. And this is also like it's it like this is a kids movie. You know, so like I, I kind of have to again, like we've done this before with other kids' movies on this podcast, where I kind of have to put my brain in a certain mindset to really enjoy it. And and for what it's worth, it was fine. Like like you said, it's it's a it's a Spielberg roller coaster ride. You're gonna go through the ah, and then by the end, it's everything's gonna be fine. And I'll go, 
you know, have my, you know, peanut butter sandwich or whatever. And, you know, wait for the next scary movie that they're going to show me. That they're going to tell me is scary. And is it really scary at all? Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, 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 I mean, like, kids' movies that scare me. I mean, Hocus Pocus never really scared me. But Ghostbusters did kind of freak me out. Gremlins freaked me out. You know, you could make kids' movies scary. Um, right. But this is also that thing know. we've been talking about where the sanitization of kids' movies, like, Gremlins, I, I saw, I know a lot of people who were like, I saw Gremlins when I was a kid and it scared the shit out of me. And maybe a little bit of Hocus Pocus, like, little girl dies um they burn the witches alive like i think that's more intense than they would have gone in the sequels they throw them in an oven too by the way which i thought like that's a little little clever yeah right i mean children's movies used to be a lot darker like i don't know maybe this is a blindness of mine maybe it's like just because i grew up in an area where there was a little more darkness in children's media and even then like i was Watching, I watched like the TBS Child's Plays when I was like less than 10. And I started reading it and watching the Friday the 13th movies. Or I first saw the uncut version of Scream when I was like 11 or 12 or something like that. You can you can let kids explore dark shit. <laughs> like it depends on the kid, not all kids. Like some kids are more okay with that than others. But for me, I loved it. I super loved it. My gut tells me that it might be a situation where parents don't want to broach certain uh, topics with kids, hoping to that their kid is going to stay a kid and keep their childhood going a little bit longer, which I don't really agree with. Um, but, you know, it's also one of those things that changes over time. Like, for some reason, it's just a cultural shift. Like, when the uh, Brothers Grimm books first came out, those were a lot darker in their first edition than they were when they came out in the seventh edition and one brother was dead and the other brother had become a conservative Christian and decided that he had to get all the death and murder out of those stories that had made him fun in the original plays. Well, there's a, I think there's a balance between like, obviously I'm, you know, children, like I'm all for, from, for protecting children from like real life threats, but like, engaging in fiction that is if they are able to and mature enough to letting them engage in like a little bit more challenging fiction than fucking you know everybody has does like uh, the penguins do a choreographed dance to fucking uh that downtown song that plays at every wedding so i don't know what it's called like you can you don't have to just have cgi minions twerking <laughs> like you can make a kids movie where like the fucking monster squad shoots werewolf yeah you know like i mean i'm a big fan of the uh original willy wonka mostly because of the absolute nightmare it's insane uh, it's a yeah. fucking nightmare it's yeah but it's you know it's great i remember and being it's... like severely traumatized by that turkey head coming off but you oh, know I th- it I also think... was just a little harsher for kids at the time i don't know who framed Roger Rabbit is a great example of that too. Like Christopher Lloyd's character is genuinely pretty terrifying and yeah. he's coming he's off intimidating at you as a cartoon. Not not my cartoons. My cartoons like me. Oh no. You know, like it 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 that's kids there's usefulness to that. There's 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 
growth that is, happens behind playing in that fantasy and having i mean obviously is. you're not going to show like you know prepubescent because this this the 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 age of which the like dj and chowda are supposed to be are like prepubescent stephen king age right they're that age where their girls are now becoming a thing um the the stranger things sort of trope that is like, that's mm-hmm. that that's Adolescence, where uh, puberty. yeah yeah, exactly. And that's about when you start to really like saying, I'm going to watch me fucking, you know, Hellraiser and all this. You know, like that's the age where I certainly started to discover horror movies. But, you know, when you're in the age of like elementary school, you know, like, you know, maybe like fifth grade or something, you can handle some scare. You're not going to show them like it. First of all, they're not going to sit through it. They're just going to fall asleep. Um, well, tell, of all, first of all, kids, if you're listening, don't watch any version of it. Read it. <laughs> That's right. Because then they'll definitely go to sleep. <laughs> the the <laughs> both film right. versions are the book is better. You could skip that chapter late, where they all uh, are as trapped in the tunnels. Forget about that part. But otherwise, it is uh, Stephen yeah. King. It's a it's it's uh, it's uh, it's it's his masterpiece in my opinion. The thing Pixar tapped onto that actually didn't exist maybe as much when we were. Uh, younger uh though pixar is actually i mean i was eight when toy story came out seven or eight so for me i don't know like they were part of my childhood to a degree but not in their maybe heyday um Mm. is that and mitchell's versus the machines i think taps into this and and some of the older spielberg films like et is that there's emotional depth that you can mine like they're it's okay to have a movie that like has themes about i don't know loss grief mortality like pixar has done all of those things even if the kids don't immediately realize it but we've lost also the idea that a villain can just be a villain and just like be heinous and evil like that's kind of gone out the window you kind of brought this up with Hocus Pocus because in, in the sequel, they kind of, they, they lend a moment towards the end where you kind of sympathize with the Santa. And at the beginning, the opening is a flashback to them being Yeah, like, but even that, you're just showing what a terrible person Winifred is, which they're, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, I, yeah. I, and that the kids were cast well, at least. Um, I, I just think that when you're doing, it's, I, 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 I agree with you, Zach, because we talk a little often about, like, how Disney, there's no good Disney bad guys anymore. You know, they're just so, so rare. And even when they are, when they when they have an opportunity to make such a cool bad guy, they kind of say, well, he's not a bad guy. He's my uncle. He's okay. You know, like, it's... Yeah. And they well, there, there, do that back in the Can I say too, quickly, but, there have been four phases, I think, of Disney bad guys. There was the original phase, which was, there's a villain, and they are fucking evil. They're, they're fucking... This lasts from like basically the, the Snow White Evil Queen to like Scar, maybe beyond Shark that. Yeah, all that shit. Like they're just like, this guy, this person's a piece of shit. And then they kind of transitioned to the space where it was like, the villain is evil, but you don't know they're the villain till the last like 10 minutes of the movie. Like they seem like a friend or the ally, and then at the very end, they like, ooh, that's the villain. Uh, and then they transitioned into the villain is actually sympathetic. You think they're bad, but they're actually very kind and like they're misunderstood. Mm. And now it's the area era. Well, actually there's five phases, but then there was the era of um, there is no villain whatsoever. The villain is misunderstanding. And the new era is 
the villains from the first era, like Cruella de Vil and Maleficent, are actually also nice people. Um, I agree. I've been very confused by that recent thing with Cruella and the rest of it. Um, it also feels like it, there's a sense now that people always want a reason for why someone's bad. Um, it used Sometimes to be... people fucking suck, man. Yeah. Like, I think kids need to know that, like, there are bad people who are just shitty. Yeah. Like, yeah. Trump isn't yeah. bad because he had a, like, like he's just a yeah. shit. I mean, like, the, the... his dad sucked, whatever. But, like, that's not why he's bad. Plenty of people had shitty dads who weren't billionaires and are fine. I think the challenge is mostly the storytelling on how to make that a compelling character. Um, like, like, for example, like, uh, uh, Hannibal Lecter. Uh, he was just a Hannibal Lecter is a compelling character. The yeah, Joker he, yeah. is a compelling character. Yeah, Hans Gruber guy. is a compelling character. Yeah, the wacky... But they're all pieces of shit. Yeah, exactly. I think that it, one of the problems is people sometimes don't handle them well, and it's that not handling it well gets in the way, like uh, The Hitcher. Uh, the Hitcher was just a cold, unpleasant movie with a villain that was basically a serial killer and they didn't really give him a reason to be that way it was just his hobby his habit um they never but henry portrait of the movie. serial killer is yeah. you know but, a counter yeah. argument you know yeah i mean that was like a good movie because yeah they, they went through the same thing and he was a cold uh narcissist and it almost weaponized what your expectations were by the end of that movie where you thought a character arc was going to happen and then you realize oh no, this this is still a leopard. He still has his stripes. He's still a leopard. Um, yeah. So I guess I probably have capped my thoughts. Yeah, let's do final thoughts and get down with this movie. Because once again, uh, yeah, Russell dropped. I think ball. we might have talked um, about this movie longer than the movie's runtime. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I will say. It was short. You'll get through it. Um, but you know, back then with animation cost a billion dollars. Um. So, okay, uh, I guess, Zach, why don't you go first since you're choosing the next movie? Okay, uh, yeah, this is, um, I don't, I, I, this is one of those ones, I feel like I've said this a million times. I don't hate this movie. There's, it, there's things about it that are fine. Like, it's perfectly well-crafted in many regards. Um, but it is, I, I, I had seen it before this once, years ago, um, I think because Dan Harmon, I knew Dan Harmon was involved and like, I, I liked community or whatever. Um, but it's nothing special. Like, it, and I think it's a little confused in execution. I don't know. Like, you don't need to see this movie. Um, uh, it's fine. But if you do see it, you won't like unduly suffer. It's not the worst movie we've ever watched, but it's hard to, it's hard to formulate like a cohesive theory on this except it's like it's 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 uh designed by committee it's the blind men touching the elephant a little bit i'll just dive into it uh it was very bland for me um i know dan and rob or at least i've interacted with them um i didn't get a sense of them in this movie particularly like there maybe were a couple things where i was like oh maybe that's something that they wrote but I uh, I didn't get a the sense talking of it. to the where... to the dummy. I felt that that felt very Harmon esque, where he's just like, "I've been training you all your life for this dummy." Like that felt like a Harmon moment. That, you know. I mean, yeah, it could be because uh, Dan also has a thing with dummies. Um, 
Yeah, a leg specifically. <laughs> well, it worked with you. Well, it's that Andrew Kendrick series. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, it's literally, yeah, he has a thing for legs. Um, it's this, this is not a joke. He is into mannequin legs in a sexual way, and he's talked about it openly. So I don't mind spilling that tea because it led to a lot so of awkward mannequin <laughs> movement. Uh, oh, my God. Anyway, um, yeah, so it's a fine movie. It's not great. I'm going to forget it. I've seen the poster a lot. I think I've seen the poster all over the place. So I've seen the poster so much that like I have a memory of it from that more than the movie. Um, I don't know if kids are going to remember this when they're older. And I think that there's probably a better level of just creepy you can do with animation. I am looking forward to the Junji Ito movie. Uh, based off Uzumaki, that is more my style. I want to be disturbed and horrified by what I'm seeing. I don't want to have a good time the whole time. So, yeah, don't watch this movie if you got eyes, but if you do have eyes and you're too young to know how to look at better things, go ahead and watch this. It's fine. Okay. I probably didn't, didn't need the movie that much. Like, I should I like, I mean, like, it's, 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 at least it's a ride, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, fine. at least you know you're going through the roller coaster. You're not gonna go on it again, but it was a ride. The little thing popped out, and you were like, "Oh, look at that! That's interesting. Giant monster running. That's fun." Um, hey, look, it's it's barely lunchtime. I made it. Um, so, yeah, and and I think I think both of you are kind of right where I this is. Like, too many smart people got their hands on this movie. And, and a few, a few, people, a few I mean, too many people who just wanted to make money. Right. And that's, well, okay, in the business, when it is a business, those are what we call the smart people. Um, because that's what you're in business to do. You're there to make money to do it. Wow. Um, that being said, I think part of what makes movies economically longer is making them quality. Because then they'll keep returning to the well, you see. This movie did nothing for me to want to say, like, well, I can't wait to watch that again. Um, even when there were moments of promise. That's what I think I'm kind of with Bora for. I'm, I'm more upset about the, the, the tee-up than I am the hitting of the ball. You know, even if it was just, you know, barely a fly ball. Um, I, I felt like, ooh, it's going to go. And then it just, all right, fine, whatever. Um, so the, the, that series of grunts and noises that I just made is about my uh, experience watching this movie. Well, I remember when, it, when my, my little brother uh, recommended this movie. He said it was pretty good when he came out. He was just, just got out of high school, so he was kind of like, oh, for a kid's movie, not that bad. And I was like, yeah, whatever, Brandon, I don't care. And I never watched it, and so when this theme came up of Halloween, I was so stumped because I had already put myself in a box saying I wouldn't do John Carpenter's Halloween, um, which I just really just should have fucking done. Mm -hmm. Um so I just went down a list of movies that take place on Halloween, and I saw that movie. I remember that you worked with Harmon, and uh, I know you did a thing with Scrabs. So I'm like, eh, you know, let's see if, if Borf's got anything. If anything, he'll watch it, and then, you know. But it was worth it that you didn't like it. I guess it's worth it for me. So uh, I'll, yeah. I'll say it was it, the yeah. fact that Borf says... Don't I mean, watch if, it if you have eyes. It's it's worth it for, for me to have him watch it. So I mean, if uh, there's anything you want to ask me about it, I can tell you what I know. But yeah, no, it's basically it's, just... I, 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 that's, uh, that's, it was a paid-for-hire job movie. for those guys. Right. That's that's what the problem I have with that movie is I, I picked this movie expecting to have all sorts of burning questions and shit, but I don't. 
Nothing. Don't care. I, yeah. I, I could kind of, I could probably guess. I could probably guess uh, of what went wrong with this movie. But other than that, it's a compelling enough premise. The premise is fun enough. It's executed, as far as the visuals concerned, relatively well for 2006. Not bad. Um, but due to the lack of, you know, focus on where they wanted the finish line to be, this movie just sort of just rushes to the finish line, doesn't care what place it gets into, we made it. It's the end, roll credits, happy Halloween. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that's sort of my thoughts on it. So, that is my movie for our theme of movies that take place in or around Halloween for our spooky ooky third annual holiday battle, uh, Halloween battle. Uh, so before we get to Zach Powers' pick of what's up in the slate, uh, I was kind and broke president and gave points. Um, Borth, you have now 11 points because you got a point from me uh, because I agreed with you about the lack of explanation about eating children, and I felt like that was a missed opportunity to give some sort of... The, even if it's just a shitty plot device, it would have been fun. And then, uh, Zach, you got a point from me about the Frankenstein comparison. I thought that was very apt. Um, so you have 11 points for final voting, and I have 10 points for final voting. So that brings us to round number two, which is in the hands of Zach Powers. Zach Powers, what evil are you going to invoke for us in this All Hollows? Uh, I considered a few things, and I think there's uh, truly a number of good options uh, for this. Um, you know, obviously you can move away from horror, but I don't want to move away from horror. Um, I really debated, should I go with the movie that I think is the most the movie that takes place around Halloween of all time? And I decided, oh, yeah, I think I do. And I want to go with 2007's Trick or Treat. The most okay. Halloween right. night movie that ever fucking got made. It's truly about Halloween as a holiday. It's 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 a Christmas carol for Halloween. Had, <laughs> it just had uh, they announced that they're doing a special theatrical screening soon. They're well, actually uh, if you want to see it in the theater, be my guest. I would love to. I um uh, I think this is the most Halloween ass movie that is even more so than Halloween, actually by a mile, that has ever been been uh, been made. So we're gonna make movies. Well, that is a valid challenge. Yeah, yeah. This movie is about okay. the holiday of Halloween in the same way a Christmas Carol is about Christmas. <laughs> so some rich guy is gonna figure out. Well, the plot's not the same. Okay. But is it is it where they go back in time and then it's like? No, have either of you seen this? Crime. Have either of you seen? I've this? never seen it. I've I seen I have. It. I have. Oh, okay. Yeah. The uh, okay. yes. This is a uh, this is gonna be a okay. fun one. This is gonna be a fun one. Okay, so, great. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Trick or Treat 2007 Trick or specifically got a big round-headed boy on the cover. Don't watch some other like shitty low-budget movie called Trick or Treat or whatever. This uh, this is like just the, the R, the right? 80s. Trick or Treat. Trick yeah. or Treat. Trick Michael Doherty, okay. Doherty, or something like that. Yeah, Michael Doherty. It's got Brian Cox in it for God's sakes. It's it's worth it for him. Sweet. Yeah. Sweet. Not yeah, and awesome. Dylan Baker also. Yeah. Hey, all right. Hey, the original lizard himself. Anna Paquin. Um, 
you know. Let's go. We can give or take. Um, <laughs> Alrighty, well, uh, thank you for joining us for Monster House. Join us next time for Trick or Treat. Uh, and we will keep going with the spooks. Uh, so, with that in mind, I have been Russell Carlson. I have been joined by Chris Borneth. I can't remember any of the lines from the movie. Ah, my trike. <laughs> okay, and I've also been joined by Zach Powers. Smile, you son of a house. There you go. <laughs> I will say, I play video games exactly like that, dude. I'm just like, yeah, you like the metal, don't you? That's right. That's right. I'm the king of this video game. I play him exactly like that. Ask anybody, they'll tell with you. With a lot of sexual tension? You bet. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's why I'm so bad at them. Um, alrighty. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, tell your friends, subscribe. We'll see you next time. And as we always say here on the Movie Trap, Diane Ladd is too young to play Chevy Chase's mom. Movie Trap promise. Old Man Nebuchadnezzar's house is possessed, and I need to know how to destroy it before it comes out and tries to kill Calm me. Calm down. You make me want to throw up in some tinfoil and eat it. Oh, you like the steel on my blade? It's so cold. Possessed house, you say? In my travels to the video store and comic book conventions, I've seen many strange and wondrous things. And I've heard tell of man-made structures becoming possessed by a human soul so that the spirit becomes merged with wood and brick, creating a rare form of monster known as Domus Mectipolis. Oh. Sorry, children, but I've got some very, very important business to take care of. I won't be seeing you later. Ha 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 